0: Hi, I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. You're listening to ReachMD. My guest is Dr. Edward Mayhew. He is professor of family medicine, professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Louisiana State University Health Science Center in Shreveport, Louisiana. And we're here in New York at the Omnia Prova Education Forum here. And we're talking in Manhattan in the break room. And we're talking about your talk, which is essentially dealing with eating disorders and the problems associated with it and I know virtually everybody in every field who happens to be listening in their car or whoever they're listening to this probably deals with this at one level or another it's a major health issue um, tell me a little bit about the scope of eating disorders and the problem it presents
1: Hi, Brian. It's great to be here. You're absolutely right. If you are seeing patients, it is a common enough issue that you almost certainly have patients with eating disorders in your practice. The question really is, is it being recognized or not? And eating disorders actually cover a lot of ground Uh, The most common ones, the anorexia, the bulimia type disorders, are what we typically think of as classic eating disorders. Although there are actually a lot of other things out there as well, including binge eating disorders and uh, situations like that or diagnoses like that but even when you look at just the classic ones the anorexia and the bulimia there is a tremendous amount of it out there and so especially folks who are doing primary care you're gonna see patients out there none of us are excluded from it Uh, we're gonna see gynecological patients we certainly see it in the pediatric age groups although it's a little harder to pick up sometimes in those age groups Uh, we're gonna see it presenting as a whole bunch of things that aren't actually what we think of as eating disorders because they don't come in saying oh by the way i I'm throwing up a lot, and I really want to stop that. What they're going to come in complaining of is, I've stopped having periods, or I'm cold all the time, or my skin feels funny. And that's where we have to pick up that something else could be going on.
0: You know, it's interesting because, especially you, because we've had an opportunity to be on a couple panels here and to talk, you have such a widespread interest in, in medicine where you're dealing with women's health. And you're dealing with a lot of the primary care issues, and you even get more involved and more detailed and more specific. So you're seeing it at all levels, which many of us will see uh, eating disorders at the far end or maybe at the beginning. You kind of are seeing it throughout the spectrum. Those early signs, the the, the warning signs where maybe you can pick up something early, what do you see as ways we can uh, maybe interact with our patients a lot quicker and can it make a difference?
1: Oh, it can absolutely make a difference. Unfortunately, treating eating disorders in some ways is like treating addictive disorders. The patient has to be ready to to deal with it to really get success. But, on the other hand, like addiction disorders, you have to capture that golden opportunity when it's there. And so that's often discussing things over time, making yourself available, saying, when you're ready to deal with this, talk to me. I'm ready to help you with this. Because when the average patient comes in the door, they're either brought in by the parent or they're there for something else. And in fact, the average person with an eating disorder is going to walk in saying, um, I have this other symptom of this other thing and they're actually trying to hide the eating disorder from you. And There are tons of tricks by which they do that. You will tend to see anorexic patients mostly in the winter when they have very heavy clothing on. They'll drink a liter of fluid right before they come to see you to add weight. They'll put ankle weights around their uh, ankles so that you cannot see that they're adding poundage that isn't actually part of their body weight. because it's all about control it's all about having control of their lives and feeling in control of their lives and part of that is if they don't want to deal with the eating disorder is to hide it from you but every once in a while the opportunity happens a friend gets sick somebody dies something happens on television and they go you know Maybe I should talk about this. And if you can capture that moment, you can change a person's
0: life forever. And it is such a delicate balance in the sense that if you say something at the wrong time or the wrong way, you could lose them too. So how do you deal with that? Because you want to you instill trust. Because you need it, but at the same time you have to be honest and you have to let them know what's going on.
1: You, you said it exactly right. You have to be honest, and noting first of all, examining people in less clothing is definitely a key. Our efficiency experts push us away from that, but to being able to see what a body habitus actually looks like is a great example. Uh, There's a very poignant quote on the internet um, that shows a picture of a young woman in the throes of anorexia and says, I think I look fine, but every time someone hugs me, they cry. You know, that's the kind of thing we're dealing with. So you can say to them, you know, you're really underweight, and yes, your period could be because of your eating and let's talk about it and being of being honest being up front and being available knowing that you can't force someone to change but when the opportunity to change occurs being there for them that's what ultimately is going to make the
0: difference so you're there you're for them and you're trying to help and obviously it's it's prolonged over time let's talk a little bit about eating disorders you mentioned control what are the factors that lead somebody to be more predisposed to having this condition
1: we know that's not really well defined. We know certain ethnic populations, it's more common, and certain types of eating disorders are more common in certain populations. So, for instance, if you look at classic anorexia, we see it much more in females than in males, although the number of males with classic anorexia are on the rise. We see it more in Caucasian populations than Asian populations. Uh, We see bulimia, more also in caucasians but also see them more in african-american populations the true bulimia uh, and but it's really a hard thing because number one it's not reportable number two people don't want to tell you about it and number three it's hard to tease the disease from the behavior because if you talk to college-age women who are being influenced by friends and internet and things a lot of them have thrown up once thinking i ate too much or i drank too much one time throwing up is not a disorder loss of control when the behavior controls you instead of you controlling behavior that's where illness kicks in that's where maladaption kicks in and so you have to tease those things out to really know who you need to go after and treat
0: so you're actually looking at almost like you would look at someone let's say with alcohol abuse i mean do they really need that drink are they going for that
1: it's a wonderful analogy. Uh, and I think of it as much the same way. Even though the pathways are different, the reward systems in the brain seem to work in a very similar manner. Uh, when folks with true eating disorders have anxiety when they have feelings of loss of control what they'll do is it triggers these very specific eating disorder behaviors and they have a lessening of that anxiety effect so just like in alcoholism just like in many forms of drug abuse uh, anxiety is often part of the root cause and certainly one of the triggers we see that as well in eating disorders and a lot of things that work in dealing with folks with these other disorders work in dealing with folks with eating disorders as well. Inpatient, removing cues, the difference is you can truly abstain from alcohol and live a totally normal life. You can't not eat and live a normal life. So in some ways, it's more difficult. uh, But in others, when folks want to make a change, they can take control of their lives. And the key is pulling lots of other people in to help you. A Multi-specialist, multi-team approach is the real way to make these things work.
0: I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Dr. Edward Mayo. We are on ReachMD, the Network for Medical Professionals. We're at our conference in New York talking about eating disorders. And, you know, when you talk about that getting other people involved, um, having worked in the media for many years as well, I've seen where we've done stories with people who were further along, people that I may not have come across in my own practice or been as aware because they were in counseling. And when they get to a certain stage, it gets very difficult to manage. It's deeply rooted. And that's why I was asking about those early stages. When you get other people along, do you begin right away? Uh, When do you start to get that help? Because obviously there might be a barrier to getting other people involved from, from the patient as well.
1: Well, and that's really the key, is you are forming a therapeutic alliance with this patient, and they're going to help guide you. Just like you're guiding the team, they're going to guide the team to some extent, too. And you want to build that trust, and you at first may need to go slowly. It depends on how they present. Sometimes, in fact, what I find in my experience is, um, a new person in their life is often the trigger that will make them want to seek help themselves. Whereas if the family brings them in and says, we just can't make this child eat, and then you weigh them and find out their are two standard deviations down in weight, um, they may not be open to a lot of intervention. So you start slow set some basic goals, get a cognitive behavioral therapist in early if you can, Uh, there's clear data showing that the cognitive behavioral sciences uh, and the therapy from these folks is particularly effective, knowledge is power, and giving them some control over their diet is often that first way that the people can actually start changing their behavior in a way that's acceptable to them.
0: Is there a profile? Is there a certain person? You mentioned groups and things, but are there certain life experiences or anything that would would predispose someone to this?
1: It's really all over the board. You know, we don't even know for sure where eating disorders begin. There's a lot of theories about the media and societal expectations of uh, what makes a beautiful person and an ideal person, but really the data is uh, as much conjecture as it is good solid facts about how it forms we do see associations and i caution you about associations because you can't overgeneralize them but we do see associations with obsessive compulsive disorders the type a the folks who are very rigid in their thinking and rigid about their behavior 10 more, we see more of that in folks with classic anorexia. We do see folks with impulsivity disorders uh, and such with uh, classic bulimia, although the reality is many patients have some aspects of both diseases. So that throws the whole association out the window anyway in the end it can really be almost anyone which is why you have to ask the questions why you have to talk with patients and why that conversation part of the visit is so important because that's often the tip off that these things are going on
0: fast moving interview we have we only have a few more minutes in your talk there are obviously certain things that you really want to highlight and points you want to get across what are some of those points since we have a nationwide audience at this stage that you would like to get across to them you need to be
1: alert You need to be aware you need to talk to patients if you're not doing preventative medicine exams you really need to be getting in there and doing those things every so often where you really can do good physicals make sure you weigh patients every time uh, and make sure you have the conversations about what are going on in their life when you go to treat them get a nutritionalist involved If you can get a nutritionalist who is also recovering anorexic or bulimic even better they are worth their weight in gold Um, Also remember that uh, sometimes your eyes will fool you. Bulimia actually does not work for weight control. So they will often be normal weight. So you have to watch them a little more carefully. But people with anorexia, if you truly look at them, you'll usually be able to see what's going on. And finally, as you treat them, take your time. Relapse is common, just like it is with other uh, disorders that we've discussed. But you still can bring them uh, under better control. You can help them if they relapse. And in the long term, good support helps keep them, if you will, sober or on the wagon.
0: If you're listening to the background noise, we're not on a cruise ship being told to go to dinner. Where we are is at a conference where we're going to be heading into some more talks. The question is, as one last point as we're doing this, the person who has bulimia versus anorexia, is there a difference in the normal progression of this? In other words, we see the horrific cases with anorexia where is bulimia something some people will say, oh, I can handle this. I'm in college. I'll stop doing this. I mean, what is the progression of bulimia if there is not intervention? Is it the same?
1: Um, actually, the long-term outcomes without treatment for both disease processes are not very good. Uh, with treatment, the relapses are common, especially with anorexia, especially during early treatment phases. But long-term, you can make a lot of difference. And those folks who stay with uh, treatment long-term often live very normal lives. Uh, of course, anorexia has the most mortality. It has one of the most highest mortality rates of all site diagnoses. Uh, but with good early intervention, careful refeeding in the early stages, and good long-term visits and care, they can do very, very well.
0: And I think that's a great point to end this on, Dr. Mio. I want to thank you for joining us on ReachMD. I really appreciate you taking the time. Glad to be here. And we are listening to ReachMD, the network for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest has been Dr. Edward Mayo. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, we'll talk again.